Capital Market Insights from ICMA. I'm Andy Hill, ICMA. Thank you for joining this podcast with Now CM, where we will be discussing next steps in digitizing capital markets. I'm joined by Robert Kohler, founder and CEO at Now CM, and also Frederick Krutz, co-founder and executive chairman. Robert is a rare expert with in-depth knowledge of every single step and stakeholder in the primary capital market value chain. He also has a deep understanding of programming and IT processes paired with more than 15 years experience as a lawyer and partner in top tier law firms. As a lawyer, Robert has vast expertise in debt capital markets, regulatory and funds, as well as in the social impact area. This unique combination of both IT and law allowed him to develop NowCM, the world's first regulated, fully integrated and cloud-native debt issuance platform and the only regulated primary marketplace globally. Fred has 20 years experience in capital markets at Merrill Lynch and Goldman Sachs. Fred is a primary market specialist from high operational level which he gained from his solid successes, not only in FIG DCM, but also FIG M&A. Following a successful banking career, he worked as an advisor to several complex cross-border multidiscipline investment projects in Europe, Asia and America. The topic of digitalizing primary debt markets can be confusing at time. As drivers of this evolution, what are the main questions that you are confronted with today? So thank you very much for having us here today. Um, uh, and you raise really the important channel uh, for us. The questions help us navigate uh, everything we do and, and indeed our product offering. So um, when we talk to treasurers, investors, um, other service providers, they do indeed find it sometimes difficult to relate to this gospel and promise of a digital primary bond market. Um, but at the same time, people involved are practical people. Um, so their focus is on, on two major categories of, of questions. The first one is, what are the real life benefits that are indeed achievable today and, and, and from joining um, primary bond markets and digitalizing our workflows? And the second set of questions is focused more on the, the visionary part and trying to understand where this journey is ultimately going to take us. So the question is, what's the end game for digital bond markets? So when we navigate this, we often find it uh, easy to get stuck on some of the micro questions and we lose out on the macro drivers of why we're in this space in the first place. And in that context, I think it's important to remember that we're still in this digital infancy um, of primary markets in a, in a digital um, uh, way um, that do remain quite hampered by not only legacy infrastructure, but uh, regulations. Um, and of course, of a relatively siloed value chain of stakeholders. Um, we remain firm believers that the digitally native primary bond markets are just around the corner and they will become reality. And many people um, uh, still, of course, believe and see that the primary work markets work quite well and are trying to find out what benefits there are to, to join these. OK, that's really interesting. Can you then elaborate on the fundamental reasons why we need digital bond markets in the first place? So when we look at this, 
we try to um, take a more fundamental view with respect to the purpose of digitalizing the primary debt markets in the first place. And we try to put that into the context of the broader global sort of mega trend of digitalization that's going on. And um, in the primary debt markets, we try to refer to these as our true norths as to why we're supposed to be around. The first topic in that true north, um, in our opinion, is really the democratization of not only access to, but also execution in the capital markets for, for issuers. And this means growing the pie for everyone um, and making capital markets more accessible with lower barriers to entry than ever before. And we indeed find this is probably one of the primary value drivers of, of digitalizing primary markets uh, going forward. The second one is more for investors, and that is improving um, the quality uh, of credit and market data for these investors and their investment decisions. And of course, good and actionable information is everything for anybody involved. And having that in an incorruptible, digital, real-time distributed ledger from the source has the potential to re revolutionize um, pretty much credit risk as we see it and how we price it today. And the third true north we see is really just in transaction efficiency. This is sort of the easy part to understand. And that's sort of between banks and other intermediaries, the issuer and the investor clients. And um, these parties, but as we look at these efficiencies, I think one of the main things to remember is that many of these parties have regulatorily prescribed roles. So digital solutions need to be focused on enabling these to work more cleverly and efficiently rather than just replacing them as sort of the base case scenario of, of this um, of this digitalization journey. And you will notice that I haven't focused on cost savings. There are a lot of cost savings and it really is a significant part of the overall story, but it tends to get overemphasized. And I think we want to make sure that we convey our aspirations to grow and not to shrink to greatness. Uh, we see shrinking to greatness as being a particularly uh, unsuccessful approach to this. So the true digitalization is a growth story for everyone. And I think it's really important that we start embracing it as such. That's interesting. So if it isn't primarily about costs, how much room is there for growth in this space? Uh, well, Andy, it's uh, Robert here. Thank you also for having us today. In I think your question is very important and we are true believers in the value proposition that the functioning capital market is a great source, a great carrier and a great distributor of risk in the economy. Um, it's also in terms of financial stability and very important uh, part. The primary capital markets in the Eurozone alone print more than 7 trillion euros every year, representing some 25% of debt issuance in the region. However, in the US, if you look at this, the number that is uh, issued in terms of percentage in capital markets reaches 80% and just 20% is bank financed. On the other side of the globe in Asia, we struggle to reach 10% of capital markets issuance. So the big question is how to minimize this gap, how we can uh, solve this uh, equation and get uh, closer to the more distributed model of the United States. And the answer is to reduce barriers to entry, achieve efficient digital workflows and improve credit data that can act as growth catalysts for primary bond markets. 
We believe that it is imperative that digital solutions in this space not only cater to existing issues, um, that is what Fred mentioned before with uh, shrinking to greatness, uh, in the end this will lead just to a fight for fees. Uh, in our opinion, the really useful solutions also cater to those who would like to have access, uh, but for whatever reason at the moment do not have these access. Our digital solution available today can already cut these costs for new entrants by 70 to 80 percent and the preparation times by more than four times. This is a huge reservoir of, of new clients for all stakeholders in, in this uh, sector and it can provide incentives for these new uh, entrants to explore and try uh, for many reasons but without the risk uh, in terms of costs and reputation that they have at the moment when entering the capital markets. And, and that's adding to that maybe Robert we can also of course talk about it we're not just talking about the uh, the new entrants there's of course a whole um, market out there with existing um, issuers and for those of us who spent you know t years and maybe sometimes decades in these siloed repetitive and and unfortunately sometimes error-prone workflows uh, of these primary markets, it's obvious that this can be done better. So what we see is that um, if you look at it on a, on, a, on a, any given benchmark transaction, um, and we, if you try to look at what's achievable today in our solutions, we see um, time savings of around 70% for lawyers, 50% for dealer banks, and something like 35% for the treasury teams themselves. Now, Again, I, I sort of fall into the trap of calling, talking about savings here, but I think the reason I mentioned this is an issuer doesn't really care whether he goes on a Wednesday or a Thursday. He just wants a good price, good execution, uh, significant demand, right? He wants a good window to issue. So saving you know, hours may not be what drives ultimately the decision of these, of these people involved. However, it does give the scope to shift that focus when it, the, it, the time is critical away from process and focus on investor marketing and price discovery. So again, this is not about savings. It's about dedicating time to that matters to what matters at the right time. And it's also about um, what more you can do with the same resources. Uh, so if I'm a, a DCM banker or a syndicate guy and, and I want to do more business and I can do more with my transaction management team without having to increase it, that's of course cool for everybody involved and offers opportunities for everybody. Okay, so that's pretty clear. It's mainly about growth. But what's driving the timing of this? How, how long do we have to wait until we see the, the benefits? I think here it is critical to clearly understand the cause of and effect in this story. So we have seen in the past uh, past few years, banks and other intermediaries have already digitalized uh, a lot of uh, processes, but they are mostly self-serving intra and interbank workflows through various order books and communication tools. However, it wasn't until the pandemic um, and until the pandemic bit and bit hard uh, that it was accelerated and um, the broader transition to digitalizing everything um, took, um, took place. It is then when issuers started asking themselves what digital value proposition the treasury team has on offer in addition to all the other teams in the company. And digitalizing workflows for documents uh, and uh, for bonds 
and the many structural permutations is is not an easy task if you look at the share it only has uh, one uh, a company has only one share if you look at um, a bond you have many different structures uh, and you have many different um, uh, ways of issuing bonds maturities uh, interest rates um, so there's a lot of information and permutations and combinations so not only do solutions need to accommodate all these structures but the workflows also need to be secure and abide with the regulatory framework such as MIFI 2 and GDPR and finally, to generate the three targets that Fred mentioned initially of uh, democratizing access for issuer, improving credit information for investors, and growing the pie for everybody involved, in particular also the intermediaries, we need to do the following two things. One, the digital value chain cannot have media breaks. As soon as you cut uh, the digital value chain in one place, the entire value is lost because you're back to manual. And two, it, it adequately needs to encompass all stakeholders across traditional silos, all the way from the issue to the investor, be it lawyers, auditors, of course, the banks, accountants, um, other players, they all need, uh, they all play their role and all have their place um, and need to be represented in this digital value chain. The documentation part, uh, and I can speak here out of my experience as a lawyer, uh, can be indeed a mind-numbingly tedious task. Uh, so in our opinion, it is, however, still the first and most important crucial step that we need to take if we are successfully to advance into the next two phases of digitization, which are the digitally native bond market and the broader transformation into a digital economy with the tokenization of everyday assets. The good news is that such true end-to-end -end workflow solutions are ready for implementation. Okay, so to summarize, what can be done to realize this growth story today? And, and what does the end game look like? What, what are the critical points and observations to, to make? I'll just make two brief points here. So firstly, we already have digital solutions in place that can make the primary markets more accessible to new issuers by having standard documentation, standard issuance processes, regulated issuance vehicles, regulated primary markets, and covering the full value chain. Secondly, we can also offer DLT-ready workflows that are able and ready to connect to future digital primary bond market, where smart contracts become really smart because at the moment they're relatively simple uh, because they cannot include all the information that comes before the value chain. And um, with, for example, our data model which is of more than 5,000 variables, we can include this in uh, tokens and make smart contracts really and even more smarter. This sort of brings us to uh, to the to, to the end game and, and how we look at it. And uh, uh, for a digitally native bond market on distributed ledgers to really work, we do believe that we will require uh, digital currencies to to achieve the full potential of this of this um, uh, method. And uh, of course, investors need to be able to engage with digital bonds, and and we anticipate not this to not really kick off in earnest until 2025. But um, in our mind, I think the interesting story really becomes interesting when you start thinking about. Um, the data in the broader digital economy. 
So when tokenized everyday assets um, and incorruptible credit data collected by their digital twins and how they fundamentally can transform asset finance as we know it. So consider a scenario where, for example, you want to invest in a Ghanaian bond backed by solar energy producing assets. The solar panels are tokenized and the digital twins provide real-time incorruptible um, uh, condition and production data from the solar panels onto these distributed ledgers. Now that's credit information and that credit information is, can then be fed onto these real-time, on a real-time basis onto digital bonds. Um, where the smart contracts underlying these bonds then can monitor covenants and other aspects affecting the credit quality of that bond and the underlying real assets and provide conditions for the continued debt service of those bonds. So here we see a decoupling effectively of credit risk from you know, institutions from the sovereign and a radical democratization opportunity for assets to be financed not only on in relation to their jurisdiction, but also uh, predominantly on their individual performance merits. But maybe that exceeds the scope of today's discussion, and we can take that on our next podcast. I very much look forward to it. For now, Robert, Fred, many thanks for sharing your time and insights. Thank you, Thank you very much. Thank you for listening. For more ICMA podcasts and further information on capital markets, please visit our website, icnagroup.org.